everyone, and welcome to the Cup of Common Grounds podcast, the podcast where a homeschooler turned businesswoman tries to build mutual respect and common ground in every conversation. I'm your host, Kitty Whipple, joined by Hope Seth, a clinical mental health counselor and a former evangelical. She is here to talk to us today about her experience within the church and why she has chosen to since leave. Thank you so much, Hope, for being on the podcast tonight. I really appreciate your time and attention. Well, thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah. So let's start from the very beginning. How do we know each other? Tell everyone the story. Ooh, okay. Um, so you and I were both homeschooled, which actually mm-hmm. a lot of people, if they're listening to this now in my life, I don't tell a lot of people I'm homeschooled, so... A lot of people wouldn't know that, but we were involved in um, homeschool speech and debate. So we were competitors turned good friends, frenemies, if you will. So (laughs) you lived in St. Louis, you were competing in St. Louis, and I lived in Springfield, Missouri. And um, I used to go to your house for tournaments in St. Louis, and you would come to my house in Springfield and just had a grand old time. Eat chocolate chip cookie dough in the in the in the basement. Go to go to Springfield prom. Absolutely. Yes, guys. There was a homeschool prom in Springfield. Was lit, guys. So many people. It's it's so it's so interesting to be like how we grew up in kind of like similar spheres, but have ended up to an extent being different, particularly when it comes to faith. So why don't you why don't you talk to people a little bit about um kind of how you grew up within the church and your experiences and such. Yeah, it's so funny because just with you saying that, I would have completely thought, like just from our upbringing and from our friendship in high school, I would have completely thought you would have grown up to be like a raging leftist, (laughs) everything, but it's kind of like been sort of the opposite. So, um, yeah, obviously I said grew up homeschooled. Growing up homeschooled in Missouri, I mean, it would be very difficult to find a homeschooler in the state of Missouri who isn't also very devout evangelical Christian. Um, so yeah, grew up really conservative. Always thought that I would go into some sort of form of really conservative politics as a career, especially when I was doing speech and debate, was really passionate about that, was really passionate about my faith as a Christian and an evangelical. Mm -hmm. Uh, And truly, I mean, people say, I'm I'm not a Christian now. People say that they're always like, well, what would your younger self have thought about you now and I'm like my younger self would not have been able to believe where I am now I've changed so much um but that was kind of my background no I mean I would I would agree with you in the fact that where we thought we would be when we were children is definitely not where we ended up and like thank god to some extent or thank the universe in your case because you know, we had so many different influences growing up. Like 
Um, I know for me, being a part of the homeschool speech and debate community could sometimes be toxic for me because, um, especially with like how I dressed or how I acted, um, I was more of like a public schooler and all these public schoolers out here are probably going to laugh at me because I really would have been weird for public school too, but I dress pretty normally, um, pretty modern. I'd have a little bit of a shorter skirt, um, wear makeup do my hair, that sort of thing. But in the homeschool community, that was standing out. Um, so from all perspectives, like I would agree with you, Hope, like I would have thought that I would have been, you and I would have swapped places right now where I would have been more of like out there and everything. But I, I do think that our parents totally had an influence. Like my parents are, are CPAs, like they're very business-minded people. And so like, I always knew I was gonna end up in business, period. Um, so how did your parents and your relationship with your parents kind of help define um, your faith and kind of like where you are now? Yeah, um, it's super, it's interesting that you say that. I mean, I remember that. and I think you mentioned that it was toxic for you being in that environment. It's like, I was part of the toxicity. I was part of what made it toxic. But little did I know at the time, it was very toxic for me too. And I can look back at a lot of, a lot of the modesty culture, purity culture kind of standards, things that I would have been like, oh, Katie's dress is so short. But also in the back of my mind, I think we, I've mentioned this to you before, like just thinking like, wow, I wish I was brave enough to wear what I wanted to wear, you know, but, um, so I guess I really appreciate it. Sorry, really quickly to clarify for our listeners, when we say that my dress was really short, we mean like it was like an inch above the knee. Like okay. we weren't we weren't talking any crazy right here. Yeah. Like, and now yeah. I'm like, I don't even know what to do with myself if I'm not wearing crop tops. So the everything <laughs> evened out eventually. But yeah, that's definitely kind of I mean the standards were just insane. So of course, like we were all judging each other, but it was because we were under really scrutinous eyes as well, or at least I know I was. But um, to get to your question, my parents, um, my parents are actually amazing. I love my parents a lot. I'm still very close. Uh, I'm especially close with my mom, and she has actually blown me away. I really, really admire her faith and her walk with religion. She, um, she's kind of grown a lot, I would say, of course, like from my perspective and in my opinion over the last year, she's been very, very pro. Like she went to more Black Lives Matter rallies than I did um, when that was kind of first starting up and she's very pro vaccine and taking precautions for COVID and um, very anti-Trump. I guess when I think of like what I understand Christianity to be from my reading of the Bible in my younger years and uh, just as kind of like a loving religion, that is what my mom is. So um, it really wasn't, it really wasn't my parents for me. I think being raised in that environment, I was raised in a very like communal way. So obviously my parents were a big influence, but there was also people in my co-op and people in my church who were impacting me a lot. And that culture wasn't necessarily as healthy as I think my relationship with my immediate family was. 
And I, I think that's important to like, when we talk about society in general, like, like how we influence each other, it's really important to think about like when we right now interact in our community, what messages are we sending to the people around us and being very thoughtful with that. Can you kind of talk to me about like how the influences with your co-op and your church have kind of shifted your perspective? Let's just say from, from when you were kind of like, like elementary school to like early college. And then we can talk about like the last 24 months. Oh my gosh. Elementary school to early college. Um, Okay. (laughs) Very complicated. I would say, I would say that part of my faith growing up and being in that group, because I kind of use that interchangeably. So I say my faith and I understand like there is a lot of different versions of Christianity or a lot of different ways people, people view Christianity or live it out. But for me, when we're talking about my faith, obviously we're also talking about the environment I was raised in, uh, which that was evangelical, um, kind of started out non-denominational and then switched in high school to Southern Baptist, very fundamentalist Southern Baptist. But um, yeah, it was kind of two-parted because I had this element of my faith, which was this deep, emotional, like prayer life that was very rich and very good for me, I would say. Really felt like I had a relationship with God, really felt like I knew God on a very deep, interpersonal level, um, which got me through a lot of hard times. I mean, and and that started from a very young age. Like I was probably nine when my mother was diagnosed with breast cancer and given a poor prognosis for breast cancer. And I remember that by that time I had already developed like in a very real, very deep, intense relationship with God and prayer life that really got me through that time. The other side of that was crippling fear (laughs) and almost like this sort of abusive relationship with God that was like, yeah, I love you and I'm there for you, but if you don't follow me or if you don't love me, I'm going to kill you. Like, I'm going to burn you alive in hell forever, you know? Um, Which is not great for nine-year-old or younger um, or anyone, really. But, yeah, so there was a bit of a duality to it, like a part of it that was really real and really awesome, then a part of it that was really fear-based. And it was interesting. I think the relationships I had with my church – and the homeschool co-op that I grew up in uh, sort of catering to both of those in certain ways. That's a really, that's a really tough way to view it because it reminds me of kind of this, um, so in, in, in speech and debate, we had this, thing that you could do that was called apologetics. And so it was to tackle tough questions that were asked about the Bible um, that skeptics normally ask. And then you were, had like two minutes to like come up with an answer for it. And one of the questions was, um, 
are the God of the New Testament and the God of the Old Testament the same God? And it sounds like you kind of struggled with that a little bit because the God of the Old Testament, everyone's like, you're super wrathful. You killed a bunch of people. And then the God of the New Testament is like a God full of love who brought his son to the world to save them. And so it sounds like it's kind of like you were warring with these two sides of God, like this Old Testament God and this New Testament God. And that was something that had been brewing from the very beginning um, of your of your walk of faith. Yeah, um, a little bit. I first, it might be too simplified how I said it, but well, I mean, it's all obviously so complex. But yeah, I think I think another thing. It's interesting that you brought up apologetics because I learned from doing apologetics and from having that mindset of apologetics of like this is how you argue or debate people who don't believe in Christianity like to me now as people as being the sort of like lost sheep and as people try to evangelize to me and knowing all those things from apologetics and still having a pretty like because I graduated from high school and then I went to bible college so having a pretty expansive knowledge of the bible and about the christian faith it's just such a joke to me that i ever thought that i could just argue people into a relationship with christ or like into becoming a christian like that concept is a whole discussion of it in and of itself because it's just not at all how it works but um yeah, I mean, it was sort of a dichotomy in some ways. Um, I will say, I want to back up for a second, because talking about co-op, talking about speech and debate, for people listening, I just want to say, a co-op, imagine a Christian school that you go to part of the week, and you get your schooling for the rest of the week, and instead of teachers, you just have all these moms like homeschool moms coming together to kind of sort of communally educate their kids so that's there's like a wide array of what co-ops can look like but that's what my co-op looked like that's what was my whole upbringing my whole educational experience so that is a strange concept for a lot of people yeah, and to contrast it really quickly, mine was different in the fact that my for my co-op, we hired accredited teachers from outside sources. So they could have been teaching at a different school previously, um, or they could have been like, I had business class. And so that was taught by someone who was like, um, who had like previously like owned their own company. So we had people who were like experts in different areas that would come in and teach classes one day a week. And then we would have homework like an hour a day for each class that we would complete throughout the rest of the week and then come back and, and meet with the teachers again. Um, with wow, that right. structure, <laughs> yes, it was, well, it was kind of like college then for me. So like when I went to college from a class setting perspective, I was like, oh, this is great. Um, then I met all the heathens that were in college, quote unquote. And then I was like, I'm not prepared for this. Um, so... I don't know, like, because, like, for me, so many people had, like, kind of instilled this fear in me for going to a non-Christian college 
about they're like, oh, you're going to become a non-Christian because you're going to a non-Christian college. You're going to get into all these like terrible things. Um, how did you feel about, well, clearly that's not what happened to me, but like, how did you feel about choosing to go to a Southern Baptist college? Like how, what, how was that decision for you? It's just so, it's so interesting and so hilarious that you would say that because yeah, you went to a secular college and here you are still a Christian. And I literally went to the, like, I went the exact opposite end of that, where we were probably the last college in America. This is totally like not an accurate statement, but metaphorically, like the last college in America where uh, girls were allowed to wear pants. I mean, as of seriously though, as of the early 2000s, like the college I went to, the Bible college, girls were not allowed to wear pants. When I went there, girls were not allowed to take all the same classes as as men. Um, just as, yeah, I'm dead serious. Just as fundamentalist as you can get, really, like very extreme. And yet it was you who like went on to continue being a Christian, me who's now a raging leftist, liberal, um, as many people I'm sure anybody in that college would now consider me to be like quite a feminist bitch. So it's just interesting that that was sort of the narrative when we were graduating high school. It it's it's funny, but it's also sad because your tale is like not a new tale, um, and my tale is also like not a new tale. In that, like, I think what kind of potentially protected my Christianity or protected my faith is that the people around me who I felt quote unquote would do me wrong weren't Christians. And so like the people that I knew that were Christians for the most part were like pretty decent people. Um, Also to be fair, like I have a lot of friends that aren't Christians and I love them to death, but I think I had a healthy balance of both. Whereas it sounds like you potentially that you did not have that kind of balance as much. Yeah. I mean, I was definitely, I obviously have lots of friends from previous Christian communities. I would say from my past life, um, who are amazing people, uh, really loving, never did anything wrong to me. But yeah, I, when I kind of got out of that and got into the world, like outside of the bubble, I was just like, oh my God, I should have been hiding from my Christian, Christian communities in the world. Like, I can't believe how loving, how kind people are, how kind, you know, my friends in the LGBT, LGBT plus community are, how kind um, people in my social work community are. Like, I just... I felt like I had been warned all my life that the church and Christians were where you were supposed to kind of have refuge from the world. And I'm like, well, actually, this is pretty nice. All these people Mm -hmm. really seem to be, uh, not all, but so many people are loving and authentic and wonderful to me. So, um, yeah, it's just such an interesting contrast. Absolutely. And I think it, I think it it really does 
to an extent, like how you are raised to view the world and whether or not the world validates that specific belief or not really does then have you feel a certain way about the world. Like, I don't know. I think also part of it with me growing up personally, um, I still did a lot of things with public schoolers, uh, with being in choir, being in dance, doing pageants. I was around a lot of people who didn't think the same way that I did. Well, I mean, we were still all Midwesterners and we were still predominantly white. So we did, for the most part, think the same way. But in terms of faith, we didn't. And so I think that was probably pretty good exposure for me early on to have that. Um, But I know for a lot of this, though, like all these kind of factors as we're building throughout like elementary, middle school, high school, and now into Bible college for you, where you're starting to kind of see that there was this duality with being a Christian. What was kind of like the tipping point to where you really started questioning things? Hmm. Well, okay. So the very beginning of it, I will say the very, very beginning of it. I, um, when I was in Bible college and when I was in like the college class in my church, Mm -hmm. I had really kind of moved up the rankings where, um, (laughs) I was a small group leader and I was in Bible college, which is already where you know, you don't really go to this Bible college unless you're going to be in ministry. You're going to be kind of high up in the church. Um, so along with that sort of like status thing, you're kind of fighting for the status, fighting to prove that you deserve this status within this church, that you're holy enough, that you're pure enough. Um, and with that comes like community. So when you're a small group leader, you're hanging out with the other small group leaders all the time, which feels like a family. It feels like something that a lot of people are kind of fighting for. So yeah, I went to this really tight knit Bible college where um, it was, had a lot of friends and was really close to people. And then I was in this church college group where I had a lot of status and a lot of friends and people looked at me as like, holier you know because I was in leadership or whatever uh it sounds like gross and stupid coming out of my mouth but that really is what the reality was and um we'll say the very very first kind of like snapping out of that was um just sort of having drama within those settings or making mistakes within those settings And then losing a little bit of that status uh, was like, oh, I don't know. It just like almost woke me up from a daze. And then I stopped going to that Bible college because things kind of shit kind of hit the fan there. And then I also additionally stopped going to my um, church's college class. And because I got a job where I had to work on Sundays, which I will say it wasn't like, oh, I'm dishonoring the Sabbath. I got a job at what was quite literally like 
a group home for teenage girls aging out of foster care. So very important work. But I remember I couldn't work up, I couldn't be there every Sunday. So I, for whatever reason, I couldn't make it to when our college group would meet. So I would sit in the main service and listen to the sermons, which I had listened to all the sermons before. But once I got disconnected from the college group and the status and the um, community of it, I remember sitting in the, the main service and listening to the pastor preach and just being like, oh my God, I don't like this. I don't believe what he's saying. Like, how did I never notice before that this is messed up? Like, I don't like this at all. I, I don't like my church. So I almost had kind of a crisis when I sort of woke up from the the illusion of just the community and the family element of it, I realized like I did not like or agree with what was actually being preached. I mean, I think that's important. I have left churches before because I didn't agree with what was being preached. I remember really distinctly actually, um, I was in third grade. I had been going to this church my entire life. And so you're like, what third grade, Katie? Like, why would you remember leaving a church? And I was like, it was part of my family's whole community at that time. Like my parents were hosting, would host, were leaders in a Bible study. Um, We were really close with the pastors. Like I had so many friends going to the church. I had a girlfriend who also, her name was Katie and she was a blonde like me. And so we were inseparable twins even though she was a year older and she went to the church too. Um, and we, we all did everything together. Like I was at Katie's house when my my sister was born and um, her sister and Charlie, my brother were both born on the same day. Like we had all these things in common. And so um, leaving that church though, I, it all came up because I asked a question. Someone had died in our church and I asked my mom, where is where is this person? And she's just like, oh, he's in heaven. I was like, well, how do you get to heaven? Because, you know, I have 5 million questions because I'm a third grader and I ask a bunch of questions. And like you're, you, should. you are who you are. So you're smart and inquisitive. <laughs> exactly. And so I asked my mom, I was just like, so how do you get to heaven? And she's like, well, and she quoted a Bible verse to me that essentially says, like, if you believe in, in Jesus, then you will go to heaven because he's the gatekeeper to heaven. And so I was like, okay. And then my mom went to her woman's Bible study the next day and she was explaining the story to the people that she was there with. And they're like, okay, if that's what you believe. And she's like, what do you mean? Isn't that what we all believe? Like that's literally a Bible verse. And they're like, well, there's like so many different ways to get to heaven. And I was like, well, that's not what they teach in the Bible. Um, And then one of the pastors then backed up the other woman saying like, no, there's like multiple ways. And my mom's like, okay, like there's something going on here. And so she probed and she asked more questions um, to the church leaders and realized like, no, this isn't what we believe based off of biblical teaching. And so we uprooted ourselves and our whole community from that church to go and try to find another church. And there is like this separation, like as soon as you lose your community, it's really hard to truly engage in faith until you find that community again. Well, that's one of the biggest benefits of it. 
Yeah. It is. And I remember, um, and I remember then also being like, because of that, it taught me to be really conscientious of like, okay, do I agree with what the pastor is saying? So like what you're saying about like, you don't believe in what the pastor is saying. Like, I get how important that is because like at an early age, I lost a community because I didn't agree with with what a pastor was saying. Well, I also Um, think it's like one of the biggest things too is just, I think looking back at the experiences, how shocking it is that I didn't realize that I hated what he was saying. I mean, until, I mean, it was probably four years that I had been going to that church and I didn't realize that I hated what he was saying, didn't agree with him, didn't enjoy his sermons until I had lost my community there. Like that, just kind of being in under that daze almost. Wow. That's like, so then when you kind of realize like, I don't agree with this man with what this man's saying. Like, I don't think he's representing what I believe. Like, what did, what did you end up doing? Like, how did you choose to respond? Um, well, I have a really hard time. I mean, if I don't believe in something, I don't believe in it. I'm very like, I can't pretend everybody's going to know it. So for better or for worse, but I, um, I but that's was, who you are. You're a very strong person. Like, well, thank you. And, but I, um, at first it was like, I was working at the group home, which I mentioned a second ago. So I would take the girls to the churches they wanted to go to, which um, were still evangelical, but a little bit more progressive. So I did try some slightly more progressive churches in town, which I don't know, looking back at like where we were actually going, it's so laughable to me that I would call them progressive, but they, they were, they weren't Southern Baptist. So, um, they were more progressive comparatively. And I really, I really tried, I really tried that for a while. And I, I gave it my all, I should say like, and I wanted it to work and I I wanted to take the girls and, um, for them to be able to experience religion and church and whatever that way that they wanted to. So, um, that was, yeah, that was kind of my next step. I mean, that's like, it's exhausting trying out different churches. I remember when I first moved to New York and trying out different churches, I gave up for a while, like before I found my, my church, before I moved here to Indiana, like I, I, it took me like a year and a half and I'm pretty sure I gave up like three months in, honestly, to trying to find a church. So it was really like a a whole, 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 probably like 15 month period. I wasn't really going to church because like, it was exhausting trying to find one that like made sense and I could find a community and I felt comfortable with. Yeah. Yeah. It is super hard. Um, Yeah, and obviously, like, Christianity is such a broad term, and I will say just because, I don't know, I guess foreshadowing a little bit of where I'm at right now, I did after that, kind of moving forward, when I left that position and took another job where I was able to um, 
explore more on my own. Um, I did try, I tried churches that were not evangelical. So still Christian, not evangelical. So one that was kind of a very small uh, church that's just like in a coffee shop and it was more liturgical and more open-minded. And then I tried, um, I tried an Episcopal church. I tried a, uh, Anglican church. So I did, that was kind of my last, my last stop, I would say within Christianity for about a year, uh, just trying churches that were not evangelical. And then for the listeners who aren't familiar with Christianity, Christianity is a very broad term. There's so many what we call denominations underneath it, meaning like subcategories. Um, so, for example, the first church that I went to growing up was Methodist. Then I went to a Presbyterian church. Um, and then I'm now currently at a non-denominational church. Uh, so the differences between all of that, we all still believe in the same God, but how we approach him may be slightly different. Um, and what, how we like think about things. Same thing with Catholicism. Catholicism is also a type of Christianity as well, but we approach God and think about things slightly different. Um, back to the narrative though. <laughs> um, so once you kind of like hit your last stop, that's when like a lot of, I know societal things were going on that were really kind of kicking your butt a little bit when you were trying to think through do I, I'm, I'm a Christian, but how do I respond to things that are going on in society because of how my Christian leaders are responding? Can you, can you talk to me about like what was going on and everything during that time? Yeah. Um, okay. So I guess the first thing I will say was I, um, when I left the Bible college, I very much got invested in the social work world. So that was a, um, that was a real bubble popper, I would say. So that was, I was, I went from being very conservative, very sheltered, living in this sort of Christian bubble to working with people who were survivors of abuse neglect, like the type of abuse and neglect that I didn't know existed when I was in that sort of conservative bubble. So that totally rattled my world. And obviously, like, I loved, loved, loved the population I was working with. um, And got to hear a lot of their stories of abuse and neglect. And, um, was working with almost exclusively young women at the time. So was really starting to grow as far as like my identity as, I don't know, that's a cheesy way to say it, my identity as a feminist, but just how I viewed um, women in general. Because I would say I grew up with a lot of like internalized misogyny. So working with survivors of abuse and neglect changed the way I viewed women. And then, um, fast forward, obviously, to your question. I remember the day we were, you know, election season was starting up, and all of the Christians were like, Donald Trump, yes, he's pro-life, he's conservative, 
was obvious that was the one we were all going to vote for, right? Because we only ever voted for conservative, because how could you ever vote for someone who wasn't pro-life? Um, so I remember the day that the whole grab them by the pussy audio was released. And I, I went home and my mom was just absolutely horrified. I remember like the look on her face. She was horrified, disgusted, couldn't believe he had said something like that. And she was like, oh my God, we just lost the election, you know? And rightfully so. Um, so she told me what happened and obviously I was horrified. I was just like, wow, what a, what a, there had been things leading up to that, but I just remember thinking, like, that is completely unacceptable. And then obviously after that, I watched and I slowly realized, like, in shock that... The Christians I knew were con going to continue to support Trump. And that really was like the starting point of a lot of things. So uh, fast forward into the Trump administration, kind of, I would say like the first strike was just realizing that so many people who were Christians didn't seem to believe like sexual assault or misogyny was a big deal. And at that time I was a, a sexual assault survivor myself and also working with young girls who were all sexual assault survivors. So yeah, that was kind of the first, I, I, I feel like it's a long story, so I want to pause a little bit in case you have any like follow-up questions or you want to share any of your own experiences because that was that was what I'll call strike one was coming to terms with the fact that that wasn't going to be a deal breaker for many of the Christians I knew that they were going to continue to one not believe women but also just like continue supporting him after that that opened the floodgates of just acknowledging how I was, I had personally experienced internalized misogyny and just misogyny in general in the church. Um, yeah. No, I think, I have a lot of then, thoughts about the, about the previous administration and we could do a whole separate podcast on all of it. But I will say that it's hard because the community that I was in while all this was going on was not the same community that you were in and that I never, I never heard an invalidation of a woman's experience in that way. And I had before, like I you know, especially being in a male dominated field, like I have, I've seen my fair share of, of things and I've I have dealt with my fair share of things. But yeah, but the community that I was in, because especially um, going into this last election season, I was in a non-denominational church in New York City and um, very contrasting to my Midwestern experience um, in New York, 
pretty much every Christian is a Democrat. Mm. Straight up. Yeah. Um, and that was such a polar opposite experience for me that coming to having conversations about politics, I just didn't want to have in the church because I'm more, I would say moderate. Like I, I'm fiscally conservative and I I used to say I'm fiscally conservative, socially liberal, and everyone hated that. But I will say that I do tend to, um, tend to vote on fiscal policies instead of social policies, because I think you and I can make such a difference with how we impact and see the world and like our generation and using social media that I'm like, don't necessarily care as much as whatever the quote unquote government says that we need to do socially. Cause we're just going to like go around it anyway. Um, so I tend to then vote on fiscal policies a little bit more, but I, and I, and I still, I, I still battled over myself with, with Trump because I like, I was like, from a policy perspective, I'm supposed to vote with him, but like, he's, I, I really struggled with it. So it was nice to see other Christians who were struggling or even challenged me on it being right. like, so that was, I think, really, really good. If I had the same experience as you, I would have responded very differently, though. Yeah, and I will say, like, I should clarify, when I when that was happening, by then I was already pretty invested in, like, a really progressive church with a lot of really open-minded people. Or I shouldn't even say progressive, but there was just it wasn't evangelical anymore. It wasn't like a conservative church. So there were a lot Mm -hmm. of differing opinions. I can confidently say like, there's no way in hell my pastor at the time voted for Trump. But, um, but by then it was really just like being in the Bible belt, still being connected to a lot of people from my high school Christian communities, the church where I grew up, the church where I went where I was going when I was in college, the Bible college I went to, like I was still seeing a lot of their posts on social media and things like that. So even though I was connected to like a small group of progressive Christians, which I guess that would be like the contrast in our experiences was we were definitely like the progressive Christians were the minority um, in Springfield. Um, but I did, I did know them and I know they exist and I, I had them for support, but by then it was just like the overwhelm of being surrounded by so many proclaiming Christians who believed a certain way. It was very much like that was, that was the, that was the vast majority for sure. And I know we've talked about this a little bit before, I know this wasn't an easy decision for you to make deciding not to be a Christian anymore. Do you mind walking us through kind of that separate, that separation and kind of the thoughts you were having when you decided to no longer be a Christian? I, I really never planned on not being a Christian. I really planned on finding a version of Christianity that worked with me morally. I really did. Um, And honestly, I did. Like the Episcopal Church and even just churches that aren't evangelical, like I still have an immense amount of respect for them. I have an immense amount of respect for my friends who are more progressive or have just like radically changed their Christianity. Um, 
but kept the good parts of it. Like, I admire that completely. And I always kind of thought that was where I was going to end up. Um, so I guess what I'm trying to get across is like, I really tried. I really tried for years to hold on to Christianity, to hold on to Christ, to hold on to like the loving good part of it. Um, but it started with the sexual assault. I'll say that that was strike one, but I had come to the place where I was like, even though I think misogyny is bad, even though I think men and women should be equal and that we should believe women and whatnot, you know, I really get from my upbringing that made sense to me. I was like, I get why people would have so much misogyny to where they wouldn't care about their president raping this many women or where they would just be like, well, this many women are lying. That just, I got to the point where it made sense to me. I had, I had come to, I wouldn't say peace, but I, I came to a place where it made sense to me why Christians were responding to that the way they were. Um, but then strike two was the pandemic. Um, I couldn't believe how many Christians were seeing the death and the agony brought about by the pandemic and just kind of like shitting on it in a way, just totally disrespecting people who were dying and suffering and losing loved ones because of the pandemic, not doing anything to try to help or mitigate it. So that was strike two. But honestly, Katie, the third strike was, I remember, I couldn't even make it all the way through the video. When the, the video of George Floyd's murder came out, I could not make it all the way through. Um, I was distraught. I was like, oh my god, I cannot believe this was happening. I can't believe that I've been so unaware that police brutality is an issue, that, you know, so many black people in America um, and black scholars and whatnot have been asking us for help in this area and that there's so many disparities that still exist. I couldn't believe it. And I was in my basement quarantining. I was in my mom's basement, I should say. Um, isolated, quarantining, having to like, you know, when you're, you're quarantined, I think everybody can agree. Like during those first few months of the pandemic, with no distractions, only isolation, there's a lot of stuff you have to face that you were able to like not face prior to in the hustle and bustle of life. So it's already not in a great place. But when the video of George Floyd's death came out, I remember this woman who we had been really close to in the past, who had been kind of like a second mom to me, she posted something that was like, well, you know, that's sad, but it probably wasn't because he was black. Um, racism really isn't that bad. And... I'm, I mean, I'm embarrassed of this now, but I remember posting something and I was just like, oh my God, this is so embarrassing. I cannot believe you just said that. That was incredibly disrespectful. Like, you need to delete this. Like, everybody's going to be horrified by this. Um, 
And then I just started seeing more and more of like posts like that and people just and predominantly Christians just dismissing and belittling the Black Lives Matter movement, saying racism didn't exist. And it just got to the point where I could not believe, I could not believe the way Christians, and when I say Christians, I understand, like I, I said, my mom was really in support of the Black Lives Matter movement, was um, listening to Black voices, was advocating for um, change, you know. So I understand that there were Christians who were not like this. I get it. But the vast majority of, like, the Christians I was surrounded by, that was something I could not comprehend why they were behaving that way. And I could not get past. And I think at that point, it was like, wow. If God really is like this, you know, if these people are truly God's people, and... This is how he would want them to behave. Then I don't care if I go to hell. I would rather go to hell than serve a God like that. Um, I can't in good faith, even if it is all real and hell is real and heaven is real. I in good faith will have to go to hell before I worship a God like that. And when that happened, I was like, okay, I am not a Christian anymore. And it all just started, like, crumbling. Like, the the beliefs, I started just, like, asking questions and seeing things in the Bible that I had never seen before and seeing things in the church and considering. It was, like, once I got past that fear of hell, of, like, well, I guess I'm going to hell. Um, yeah, it all just kind of fell apart. Sorry, I know that's probably, like, a very, like, emotional thing for you to hear as somebody who is still actively a Christian. I'm trying to put myself in your shoes, and I know how, like, difficult something like that would be to hear um, for me three years ago, you know. I just, I want to hug you. Like, that's, really, I just want to give you a hug and and tell you that I love you and that I just, I want... I just, and I know everything is okay now. Like you are in such a good and healthy spot. Um, but it hurts me to see how hurt you are. And that's more so of the emotions that I'm having. Because, you know, how I... How I view Christianity, of course, in my experiences is, is different, but that doesn't make your experiences less real. And so I'm not going to sit here and say, like, I have an answer for things because, like, I can't argue you to be a Christian again. We talked about that earlier with apologetics. Like, you can't argue someone into faith. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm not going to sit here and try to do that. But I will say is that that really fucking sucks. And I just want to hug you. Yeah. And I appreciate that a lot. I, um, I think there's a lot that has happened after that. Like 
I can very honestly say now, like, like you said, I am in a good place. Truly, I mean, if we're just talking about it on sort of like a cognitive level, I don't believe in hell. Um, you know, I don't know what happens in the afterlife. I don't believe in the like cookie cutter heaven, hell that I did believe in in the past. I mean, I, I think it's like something that's much larger and outside of, I, I, I don't really think I can know, but, um, I don't, you know, there's, there's a lot that I just cognitively don't believe in anymore since I think purity culture is incredibly messed up. I, I don't believe in like waiting till marriage. I, I don't believe in a lot of like the behavioral things that I believed in as a Christian. But I think what I want people to know, like what I want Christians who are listening to this I, to know is that I would have done all of that. Like, even though I think purity culture and some of the insane standards that you're expected to live by as a Christian are not healthy, are not good for you, I promise you I would have done all of that for the rest of my life to maintain, like, the illusion of what I believed in, what I thought Christianity was. That is not why I renounced my faith. The reason that I renounced my faith is because I got to the point where I was like, if this, if these, if the people and what I'm seeing from the church and the greater trends of the church is a true representation of God, I want nothing to do with him. I cannot, in good faith, bow down to a God like that. I think that that's fair and if I had the same experiences that you were having I think I would be struggling in the exact same ways as you and in some ways I have struggled like that um I remember when I was having my eating disorder and my grandmother had committed suicide I remember bowing down on my um I was a sophomore in college. I remember bowing down on the floor and I put my head to, I, I literally, it was just like in this fetal position. And I remember crying to God and saying, why do you hate me? Mm. And really feeling like the world was crumbling around me. Um, and it wasn't until, and, I, and, I'll, I'll, and I'll tell you like my faith journey a little bit, just shed a little bit of light, like, I didn't really have an active prayer life for most of college. And I think that might've been the reason that I can have faith now is that I think I was, sometimes I feel like I walked away from God a little bit sometimes to protect myself hmm. in, in weird ways. Like I look back on it and I was like, why did I respond the way that I responded? Um, and I think God put me, with the right people at the right time. Like, I think I found my church in New York at the right time. I remember walking in the door and it's a, I was trying to find a church because something happened in my family. And I was like, I need to figure out how to deal with all this. And um, I looked up churches in New York. It was the closest church to my apartment. It was literally half a block away. I walked into church 
It's a completely Korean church. Like no one looks like me. And someone like came up to me immediately and shook my hand. They're like, hey, you new here? And I was like, yeah, you can't tell as I gesture to myself and my whiteness. And they're like, yeah, you you walked in the wrong door in accident. I saw you bang your head. I was like, thank you. That's exactly what I did there. Um, And then five minutes later, I met my roommate for the next year. And so. That's awesome. Yeah. So I think like for, for me, my walk with God has been like weird and different. But it's allowed me to see how doing things on my own strength for me hasn't worked out. But when I've leaned into God and leaned into wanting to get to know him, my life has been so much more fruitful and better and more Mm -hmm. purposeful. And I think also during the pandemic, like I had my, my Korean church and like we were going through our own stuff with hashtag stop Asian hate before that was even national news. We knew about the attacks going on. We knew what was happening. And so and we were also standing for Black Lives Matter. We were still, we were figuring out how to be active allies. And like, I think that type of response grew my faith a lot by seeing like, this is how Christians are supposed to respond. We're supposed to protect the vulnerable. We're supposed to love on one another. We're supposed to be keeping each other safe. Everyone was very pro-vaccine. Um, we still like, even though I'm no longer in New York anymore, my church in New York still hasn't gone fully back in person. We're full, you're fully masked. You have to reserve in advance going to the church because they're still like, we need to do our part to protect each other. Yeah. I think that's amazing. Like, honestly, truly mad respect. Like I, there are versions of Christianity, um, outside of like the sort of like white evangelical Christianity that I truly have so much respect for and admire so much. And just from a mental health perspective, because I don't think I mentioned this, but I am, um, talked about being involved in social work. Um, I am in getting a master's degree in clinical mental health. And that's really important to me. And Christianity for so many people is truly a lifesaver. The research is undeniable, especially like with people overcoming addiction in a lot of different things. Like Christianity is absolutely incredible, life-changing. I still believe in God. I, I think that I would come from the perspective of there's many different ways to connect with God, like kind of more of like a, all religions are true versus all religions are false sort of perspective. And in that regard, I think it's amazing that Christianity was so helpful, is so helpful for you, has helped you get through so much. In some ways, I'm jealous of that, you know? Um, I know it's so powerful for so many people and such a positive thing. Unfortunately, like towards the end of my relationship with Christianity, that wasn't the case or you know, there were kind of two different sides of it. There was a part of it that was really good for me and was really foundational. And towards the end, the side that was, I think, really unhealthy and really bad for my mental health um, 
was a lot stronger and more prominent towards the end of things. Um, but yeah, I totally, I totally respect and admire a lot of different versions of Christianity. And I see, I truly do see its power in helping people overcome a lot of things. But I also see where we're in a world full of broken people is from my perspective. And that brokenness can really ruin good things. And um, so I see, I see what happened and that's, I'm just really proud of you for feeling comfortable talking about this. I feel, I feel very proud of you for prioritizing your mental health. I'm very proud of you for really questioning things. Cause like we talked a little bit about curious Katie when I was in third grade, like you've never stopped being curious. And I think that that's such a powerful tool to have in your arsenal. And I know that you're going to continue to do amazing things. I know you're off to Colorado shortly to continue on with your uh, profession and internship and also just for your own mental health getting out of Missouri. This is your first time really truly leaving Missouri. Yes. So excited. Devastated. Lots of good things I'm leaving behind, but also gaining a lot. So super excited as well. Well, I thank you so much for joining us for the podcast today. I, again, applaud, applaud you for your courageousness, for just being yourself, Hope. And I think that we, a lot of us in the world need to be a little bit more like you. Well, thank you. I appreciate you so much for having me. And um, yeah, it's really cool. I mean, it's interesting and cool. And I think there's a lot to be learned from kind of like the ways that we grew together and the ways that we grew apart and the ways we differ. So I appreciate the opportunity. Thank you so much for joining us today on Cup of Common Grounds. I am your host, Katie Whipple. If you like the podcast, feel free to review or subscribe on any of your favorite podcasting channels. And if you want to learn more about the podcast, feel free to check out its Instagram, Cup of Common Grounds. So signing off today, I hope you all enjoyed your Cup of Common Grounds. And feel free to check back next time.